Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Hey, Podcast World, welcome to another super interesting yeah. Fascinating, intriguing, stimulating. Did I forget Insure anything? Insure techie. Insure techie episode of FNO Insure techie. Look at us. We just changed the whole thing. We rebranded. We rebranded. Yeah. Welcome to our rebranding. Mm-hmm. I love our brand. Why would we change I, it? We would never change. You know, whenever you, you Google Insure tech, we're uh-huh. all over it. You you go to Google, you do insured tech, you see F and O insured tech just everywhere. Hit hit on the, the Google image. It's us. We actually have a guest today. We do, and, and we're so lucky. And we're we have a great one. We have wanted to have Kevin Mitchell on for some time. We finally got him because we're the tenacious hosts of FNO Insured Tech. And if there is somebody who needs to be on the show, we get them. Yeah, thank you, Alicia. We get and that's spelled E-M, not, or T-H-E-M. We get them. We get them. We get them. Apostrophe right. E-M. Right. And uh, Kevin is one of those people. Kevin is the president of TipTap. Yeah, we're going to get to learn all about TipTap uh, and and what it is. Insurance carrier, really, before InsureTech was a thing, and, and this company uses data to quickly underwrite and to bind policies. Uh, agents use it. And it really, really started very, very early on. So we're going to get to talk about the founding story, and we're going to get to talk about where they are today and what the future holds. Yeah, so they they sound a lot like an insure tech because they are, but they're actually making it. They're doing great, and they've done great for years. And um, we're going to hear their story and what their secret sauce is. <clears throat> And even a little bit about one of Kevin's partners that he gets to work with all the time, Mr. Yeah. Perth Patel. Yes, one of one of the most interesting men in insurance. So now that we've gone on and on, why don't we get to our interview with Kevin Mitchell, the president of TipTap. Hey, everybody. We are here with our guest coming to us today from Balmy, Hot. All of the above, Tampa, Florida. Tampa, Florida. Beautiful Tampa, Florida. It is a beautiful, I love Tampa. Yeah. Uh, maybe not so much in August. No, it's um, too hot there. You got to visit in the winter, you know, 72 and sunny, no humidity. Uh-huh. I, that, what months are those? I have to ask you, what months are the those months? I want to be very realistic with you when those Thank months you. are. Because some people might, uh, you know, put an extra month in there that is not reality. It's really uh, November through the mid to end of April. Okay. That sounds about right. So May can be hot. Very much so. So you can get, you know, say Halloween to Easter is a good, that's when you see a lot of the snowbirds. Okay. They'll come down and, and it's beautiful, very little rain, great weather. That man is Kevin Mitchell. He is the president of TipTap Insurance, 
And we are thrilled to have him with us today because we have some experience with this company and only only excellent ones and are thrilled to have the opportunity to talk about TipTap. Now, TipTap is a part of another company, correct? Correct. HCI Group. So that's our corporate parent. HCI Group. And why don't you take a minute up front and tell our audience and us, what is TipTap and what do you do there? Sure. TipTap is a insurance technology company that focuses on homeowners insurance across the U.S. We started the company in, in March of 2016. Initially, we were focusing in on uh, flood insurance for single family homes. And then we, we pivoted towards homeowners insurance in 2018. And the, the reason for that is just the total available market. Uh, for homeowners is is much greater. And we felt that there was an opportunity to leverage technology that we'd built through our technology subsidiary, Exio, to drive a, a better underwriting result. I had some exposure to HCI, as I mentioned, during the time when TipTap was uh, being, you know, formed. And this is Years ago, right? It, what, what was the what was the founding year for TipTap? Twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen, and you guys were talking about InsureTech and doing a kind of a technology driven company then, right? We were. It was early days when the the whole process really started when we established our technology division, Exio, back in two uh, thousand twelve. So you got to remember back then. We were looking at the world and saying, okay, in the next 10 years, what do we have to build? What do we have to develop that's going to allow us to compete 10 years in the future? And the whole thought process was this idea of putting in your address, say, if you're the agent and going through pages and pages and pages of underwriting questions, there's no way that's going to be the future. So we said, what if we gather all that information? pre-gather all that information, and the agent just has to type in a single-family home address and answer a few questions. And wouldn't that be more efficient for the agent? And if we have all that information, we can evaluate it, analyze it, and probably make better underwriting decisions. And that's that was the, you know, the concept of TipTap was born, but it was it was only possible because of the technology that we had built, you know, essentially since 2012 to 2016. And so this data you've collected, where does this data come from? Is it data you've already had from prior claims or is it other sources? You know, that's a great question. So early days, we had to gather all the data. Nowadays, there's tons of data aggregators. Mm -hmm. You know, there's folks like Hazard Hub or Cape Analytics, and you can go and buy this data even by address. And, and some companies, you know, if they're quoting a policy, they'll ping the database, gather it, analyze it, and make an underwriting decision. But back in, in, in 2016, these data sets weren't readily available. So since they weren't readily available, we went out and, and built our own data set in Florida. So there's approximately 5.5 million single family homes in Florida. Okay. And it's a mix between property appraiser site and old fashioned roll up your sleeves, uh, aerial photos. 
And when I say aerial photos, you're going to distinguish whether it's a, you know, a shingle roof or a tile roof, what shape the roof is, whether it has a pool or a pool enclosure down in Florida, they call it a pool cage. Right. And what we did is we built this, this data set and it gave us an unbelievable competitive advantage going forward because one, we knew how to gather the important pieces of, of, of data. And then when we started to underwrite, we figured out which ones were important and which ones weren't. And this is the critical point here, because now when you go forward, say you enter a new state and you want speed to market and you want to you know, leverage a company for their data. We understand when they send us the data, what, what we need, what's important, and how to weight that data. It allows us to make under, better underwriting decisions because we're in a, a situation now where tons of people are focused on the data. And the data is important, but it's how you analyze the data. That's where you get the better underwriting outcome. And so you're under you're you're analyzing this data, and this product is designed for agents. Is that right, or is it designed for the for the homeowners to go on and and get a quote? Our model is agent focused, independent agents. Agents, so they have a insured. They're going in, and you use all this data to underwrite and and then to to ultimately buying the product. Is that right? Correct. So what, what agents will do is they'll log on to our system and they'll type in, you know, single family home address, one, two, three Maple Avenue. And, you know, depending on the home, because the underwriting questions differ by the home, the address they put in, uh, they'll answer those few questions, obviously pick whatever coverage um, decisions they want to make. And then within the system, they can bind that policy, usually takes a couple minutes and then once they bind it and both parties have docu-signed it, within minutes, the, the policy is emailed to the customer and the agent. Wow. And this was designed first to, to sell flood policies. Correct. What was the uh, thought there? Why, why flood? It's a great question because I remember being told about TipTap, again, years ago, before it, before it went to market, and that it was going to be technology, technology was going to enable the ability to sell flood insurance. And this is not that long ago, 10 years or so, even though then there was like not really a private, even a private flood market, right? I mean, you guys were very early in private we, flood. We, we were. Um, we initially started out with flood because we needed a product to test our technology. I see. And when you look at flood um, from an underwriting standpoint, you only need to consider uh, a few things. You need to understand the the flood zone. You know, if that home is in a flood zone being, um, you know, A, V or X, you need to understand the elevation of the home and you need to understand the replacement cost value. And the other beauty of flood insurance as a, as a peril to insure is there's no fraud because you can't make it rain. Right. right. Yeah. It's it's hard. Hard. It was a great way to, to test the technology. In one early days, the technology that we built, just like if you would get out your 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 iPhone when you you know drop a pin for the GPS, we built technology that would drop a pin to the center of the rooftop, not the center of the parcel, the center of the rooftop. And and I'm I'm bela- slightly belaboring the point because it's critically important because you could have a parcel of land and maybe only the back corner is in a flood zone. Right. Well, that home isn't in a flood zone. We're being very precise. And then we also built technology to understand the elevation 
without asking the agent for an elevation certificate. And when we go 10 years back, that was groundbreaking because many of the agents and, and other people said, well, how, how in the heck are you going to understand the elevation? And how, how are you only asking two questions for flood insurance? The NFIP asks, you know, 50 questions. Yeah, a huge thing. Sure. And, and because we've gathered all the data and we simplified the underwriting process. And the, the goal there was to help the agents solve a problem. And that problem when we launched was Bigot Waters because everyone's flood insurance premium was skyrocketing. And we said, this is crazy. We got to, there's got to be a better way where we can provide a, a private market solution to, to customers to, you know, help save the day, so to speak. So use the data to provide better underwriting, more accurate underwriting, more thoughtful underwriting. Yes. Yeah. I think that's our goal. You even look at these, these days throughout the country, you're trying to navigate wildfire or, you know, tornado hail events, or obviously hurricanes. It's our job to, to find a more eloquent solution other than rate. When you went to market, turning back a few years, was there, was there an appetite for private flood when you guys started? Or did you kind of have to say, no, really, we're serious. We're going to write private flood. Yeah, when you're launching any, any product, it's an uphill battle. But what we found when we spoke with agents is we helped them with a solution that created a wedge. So they would lead with flood and then round out the account with homeowners and say umbrella or, you know, boat insurance. So it created, a, it gave them a, a, a competitive advantage versus their, you know, other agent peers to try to get the, get the new business sale. Mm -hmm. It does seem as though there's a big push in the private market right now that, that more flood policies need to be written. Is, is that something you're, you're feeling or is that something you've heard? We, we see a lot of it, but what we're seeing in, in practice is people are buying it when they're forced to buy it. Okay. And, you know, and, and what happens is, you know, you, you look at the NFIP and it's roughly 5.5 billion mm -hmm. of TIV there. So, you know, it's, it's somewhat of a, a limited, a limited market. You also have risk rating 2.0, which is creating uh, a whole different set of interesting circumstances. But I think there's a lot of folks that are, are out there in the private market and it's good to have an alternative. But for us, you know, we see the opportunity to grow in the homeowner space. Right. Uh, and, and I see that you're in five or so states for, pri for private flood. Are yeah, you we're, flood isn't the focus. Flood right. isn't the focus. So flood was kind of the way in, the way in, like you said, it was, it was, it was test. a testing ground mm -hmm. for you. It was the laboratory. Yeah. It was the testing ground of the technology because when you move over to the homeowners, much more complex Uh huh. Uh -huh. because, because of all the perils that you're, you're covering. So you look, when you, you jump in to uh, homeowners and you launch homeowners and we launched homeowners tip tap in Florida in 2018. Mm -hmm. And the thought process was simple. We wanted to go right a thousand policies internally. What we call it is a race to a thousand. Okay. Mm -hmm. We write a thousand policies because we want to make sure it works. We want to make sure the technology works. We want to make sure the underwriting works and we want to make sure that we're, we're getting the appropriate results from a loss ratio. And we're also during that process, refining our agent network mm -hmm. when we're launching it. 
You know, who's going to consistently quote us and bind us? How do those policies perform? Do these agents understand our underwriting appetite? Are they sending us good, clean business? And, you know, that is a process that typically once you write a thousand policies, you have a, a very good sense of who your agent partners will be. And if and if your if your technology is working. Right. Right. So is this a MGA model or a full stack carrier model? We're full stack. We, so you're we, you're a full full carrier. We, we eat our own cooking. Wow. Did it always start that way or did it did it migrate into this? Always started that way because we felt that the technology was going to drive a better underwriting result. Why would we share that underwriting result with others? We're going to keep it. Now, it's not without risk. Right. But we we feel if that because Look at the industry in general. You're looking at that dollar of premium. And it's how much of that dollar of premium can you keep? Yeah. You're very unique. Most of the companies we talk to start as the MGA and then they and then they turn into a, a full carrier. Doing it again, would you do it the same way? I think we would because we're closer to the policy. Okay. When we look at it now, we're giving us the ability to analyze kind of every every step of the process. And uh, making sure that we're we're refining. So look at that MGA model, right? Yeah. You know that is a model that is out there, and it was um, in vogue, especially in 2020 and 2021, mm-hmm. right? But then, if you're transitioning away from the MGA model, right? So you're going to go from capital light to capital heavy in right. a world where capital is more expensive, mm-hmm. right? It's a difficult transition oftentimes. It is. So in 2016, did you guys say, oh, we're going to be a, a, an insure tech? I mean, did did you realize at that time, did you appreciate what you were about to become a part of? Because you were super early. I'm not even sure if the they had coined the term yet, to be fair. Ours was just a, a product. It, it was a... a a necessary step we had to take because we built this technology and nobody believed us. Mm-hmm. Nobody believed it would work. So we had to start a carrier to prove it. And the company that we were with then were, were some of those people that you're talking about. I mean, we, we have very distinct tools in the claim side of the business. And we were told that we're going to use Exio. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that we were dubious. Mm-hmm. But it it works and it works. I mean, it, it's it's a fabulous product that carried the claims process. It's an interesting thing to bring up in, in talking about Exio or, or technology group. So we have over 50 developers and programmers in the States and over 100 in our other office in, in India. And they've essentially built, uh, you know, s- software and technology that handles every aspect of the policy life cycle. So they, they built the front end and the quoting and the binding. And then there's obviously policy administration. If someone wants to adjust their deductible or increase or, or decrease coverage. And then there's uh, exposure management software. So think about that and how important it is, you know, across the U S we can make sure going back to talking about dropping a pin on a home, we can make sure that no no tip tap policy has a neighbor a neighboring policy we can you know what people often talk about is 
I like that state. I like that region. I like that county. I like that zip code. That's what a lot of national carriers will talk about. For us, we go down to the house level. We make our underwriting decisions at a house level. We could all be neighbors on one street. They might love your your homes and dislike my home. And they might not dislike my home because I maybe it's a well-kept home and I'm I'm very diligent in regards to fixing it and you know making sure everything is is up to date, but maybe my home will not derive the appropriate amount of profitability long-term. I see. And so it's this whole concept of red house, greenhouse. So within our technology, we our technology tries to solve the, the number one challenge in insurance, predicting cost of goods sold. Uh. And so we have a underwriting model that predicts it. And that will that will turn it into a greenhouse. And yes, we we will write it. So if there is a claim, happy to pay it. Obviously, we're in the claims paying business. But if it's red or it's unprofitable, we'll we'll leave that behind. I was reading an interview that you did, and you mentioned costs of goods sold. Mm-hmm. Years ago, I was in the retail business, and cost of goods sold was you know everybody talked about cost of goods sold in the insurance industry. You almost never hear that. What, why do you guys use that? Define that for us. You know, you, so you sell a product, you sell a policy, you sold the policy. And um, unless you've made a really bad underwriting decision, you're not going to have a claim in the first year. Hopefully you won't have a claim in the second year. But over time, if you have that policy for 10 years, 20 years, there is a likelihood that you might have a claim, usually about 5% of your policies will have a claim in any one given year. That's a, say a target, a, a, you know, a claims rate target. But, you know, so we, we, we've sold that policy and then we have to fix, you know, say the roof. But you've sold that policy not knowing what the cost of the roof might be or the, the size and scope of the claim at that future moment in time. So if you sold this product but you don't know what that that claim will be. And, and it's essentially that is your your cost of goods sold at that that moment. And what makes the the business so challenging is is the unpredictability of that. And when you when you're trying to make these underwriting decisions, because you're making small calculated bets, right? Your mm-hmm. homeowners, right? It's these are, you know, our our focus is kind of Middle market to say maybe upper middle market homes, I would say 300,000 to maybe 700,000 replacement cost, you know, mm-hmm. so building, mm-hmm. building value, you know, and, and think about all the complications that have happened, you know, this calendar year with inflation. Sure. You know, when we woke up January 1st, we did not think we'd be where we are here in, in August. Right. It's, it's, the, there's been a fair amount of, of shifting and in the insurance business when you think about it you can't you can't make quick and immediate changes it's a regulated business so you you predicting the future becomes even more critical speaking of changes and and difficulty and things like that we we read a lot about the Florida market and you said you started there uh, you're you're there now we read about a lot of difficulties with insurance companies are you finding it difficult to to write there uh, or are you still having success? And we had read also that you all had paused um, mm-hmm. in 2022 in Florida. 
Sure. So let's answer all those questions. Let's answer the pause. Um, we've paused new business during wind season for the last five years. It's just in in this current you know news cycle, it was picked up because other people paused as well, yeah. and we got you know bundled in with those folks. And we've always done it. You know, for TipTap and homeowners, we focused on writing new business in Q4 and Q1. We were stay out of wind season, and then you, you typically don't want to write too much new business until you understand where what your reinsurance costs are, and that's a six one renewal. Okay. So that's that's typically the cadence in, in regards to how we're doing it. Is Florida a difficult place to write homeowners? I would probably say it's the most difficult state in the US. Okay. But the the difficulty creates the opportunity. So you look at it now, say you were a company that had a a proven management team, already developed technology, capital, an abundant new business opportunity. That is Florida right now, but you have to be careful because it's not it's not without you know challenges. And what we said on you know HCI said on their most recent earnings call is we're going to start a new company, and we're going to grow in Florida because when you look at Florida right now, you primarily have one main competitor: it's citizens. citizens. Right, right, which is growing huge out of necessity. Right, every day. It's Every going day. over. It's over a million policies now. Again, we're going to continue to grow tip tap outside of Florida well as well in the eleven states we're currently operating in. But we also see Florida as an opportunity that we don't want to ignore. For those of us who don't live in Florida, what the heck is what's going on in Florida that makes it the most difficult state in the country? Sure. So there, there's a couple items. Um, one. Uh, you're you're very dependent on reinsurance. You're very dependent on reinsurance cap, uh, capacity, and what we're seeing right now is cost of capital is up, and reinsurance is capital dependent. So, okay, you have to be very conscious of of that, and you have to manage. In our minds, from a reinsurance standpoint, you have to manage two very important things. You have to manage frequency, so frequency of storms, and then severity. And that has to be a, a very delicate balance. So that's reinsurance. The other element there is, you know, we have a challenging legal environment down in Florida where um, there are claims that that happen. Some are legitimate, some are not. And some that aren't legitimate also have, you know, an attorney attached to them and those get expensive. Yeah. So it, that's where the, you know, the, you know, underwriting and making sure you're getting the right the right customers because so many people focus on, you know, the underwriting aspects of, you know, the property. And that is a very important piece, but you also have to work and, and underwrite the individual. Is that possible to do to actually underwrite the individuals who have filed claims, you know, and brought and brought lawyers into it? Is that something you can actually look at? Yeah, we started a project through our data team. This is another, you know, huge benefit of Exio, our, our technology group. Uh, and we started tracking lawsuits back to 2014. Every wow. lawsuit ever filed in Florida back to 2014. And when you look at it, it, it does create one heck of a do not write list. Yeah. <laughs> right. You would That's probably cool. be able to, to, to track contractors involved, mitigation companies involved, you'd be able to track all those data points. Yeah, you can. And, and there's also positive data points you're, yeah. you're tracking. You know, have they, did they pull a permit and replace their roof? Right. Um, you know, has there been, 
you know, any type of electrical updates. Um, you know, there, there's so many things, data points you can attach to the roof is that, you know, it, think about if it, if it's tile or, or shingle, those are two very different replacement costs. Mm-hmm. You know, is it, you know, and now I'm getting, you know, into the nuances, but is it hip or gable shaped roof? Those model very differently for reinsurance. Yeah, that's true. So all these things where you, you're you gathering all this data, because our goal at the end of the day is we want to we want to provide a product that puts someone's life back together in the event of a loss. And if you get if you work hard to get the right type of policy holders um, on board, then you can maintain rates, you can maintain coverage. And, yeah. and that's a that's a beautiful thing because there's a couple things TipTap does, you know, that people might know not know about from a cover standpoint. Typically we we provide broader coverage. You know, we don't we don't credit score. Really? Yeah, we don't credit score. Huh. Isn't that isn't that a main driver in underwriting the property for most in most cases? I think a lot of people talk about it, but but think about it. Um, think about credit scoring in general. If you're selling homeowners, they've already been credit scored to buy the house. True. So you're credit scoring the credit scored. That's true. They they got the house. They own the house. Somebody credit scored them to lend them the money to buy it. So right. why 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 waste the time? Yeah. What I, I guess what I'm what, what we're getting to is we tr- we try to in our data analysis we try to focus on things that have a material impact. Think about the let's talk about ring doorbell. Yeah. So ring doorbell. Out of a dollar, you know, of premium, you know, half a penny. Yeah. Is theft. So, you know, I think, you know, think about everyone gives a credit for the gated neighborhood. Mm-hmm. That's not the driver of the losses. The driver of losses in the homeowner's business are internal water claims, leaky mm-hmm. pipe, right? Yeah. You, it's it's uh, roof claims, whether it's hail or a leaky roof or it's fire. Right. Now, some of those, you know, they're, you know, fire is lower frequency, but higher severity. You, you get, you know, every, everyone has a different, you know, um, pattern and, and frequency. But you, for us, we want to focus on those things. The, the bigger thing is if we're digging in and we're doing all this analysis, we want to provide coverage for the good guys. Yeah, I like that. You know, and if we can provide this kind of safe harbor, tip tap, I think we can create you know, what we're going to consider to be a club of really, really great um, policy holders. And then we can just maintain unbelievable stability from a coverage and a rate standpoint. Because when you look at even in Florida, just to kind of wrap up the Florida conversation, it's about 5% of the bad actors. 95% of the people are good people. So let's go attract those people and bring them on board. And that's what that's what we're trying to do. What we don't like to see is, you know, people that have this whole narrative that everyone's bad and we're going to keep skinning down the the coverage form. For us, we want to provide a broad coverage form and attract the good quality policyholders to come join TipTap. So you guys have grown. You've been growing. You're in, you said, 12 states now. Is that correct? Correct. So talk about where you're going from here. I mean, it's interesting. You're in you're in Massachusetts and you're in Nevada. Yeah. <laughs> Very different markets. Those are those are a little bit different. Yeah. Don't, there's not many places in Massachusetts that look like Nevada. Correct. Um, and so you're in the West, you're in the East. 
do you fill in the middle? Do you try to stay away from a state like Texas? Uh, or which, which I don't I know see it a, on the uh, coming soon list. Yeah, yeah, you, you, that's a great observation. There, there's a there's a couple states you won't see on the coming soon list. New York, um, there's it's a pretty challenging regulatory um, environment there. Texas, Louisiana, California. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, you know, I those those eventually will come. I think there there has to be some you know reform there before we would get comfortable. But when we look at you know, the 12 states we're in, it is fairly uh, geographically spread. Now, part of the states, um, you know, the four states in the Northeast were part of the United Property Casualty Transition, that book of business that, you know, we announced that deal in December of 2020. And then we did a follow-up one in December 2021 with three Southeast states. Uh, And now we're writing voluntary business on top of that. But if you take a step back and say, okay, we want to be a national homeowners carrier. Well, national, you better start to get some experience throughout the country. And when, if you look at the States that we're currently in, um, it, it's not, you know, these are, these are inland States. These aren't all coastal States we're in. And we feel that, you know, our, our focus is trying to manage that attritional loss ratio. And um, that is going to be key to your success, especially when you get uh, inland. Can you help me understand? So I, I want to transition to another topic just real quick. You're a part of the HCI group, right? And so how does TipTap work with the, I know that there is a claims company associated with that. Uh, I believe homeowner choice insurance Correct. is associated with it. How, how does that whole ecosystem work? Sure. Sure. So we have HCI group. Um, and HCI group under the HCI group uh, um, umbrella, you have homeowner's choice, property casualty that was started, you know, back in 2007, really to execute on a citizen's assumption policies. Then under HCI, you also have Greenleaf Capital, which is our real estate division. And then you have CLADA, which is our captive reinsurance company. And then we have a claims uh, group called Griston. So yeah. that's, that's HCI. And then you have TipTap Insurance Group and TipTap Insurance Group under TipTap Insurance Group umbrella, you have TipTap Insurance Company and Exio, our technology group. And that HCI group owns 88% of TipTap Insurance Group and the other 12% is owned by Centerbridge Partners. Those are the folks that uh, invested $100 million um, in TipTap Insurance Group in February of 2021. Okay. And so does everybody work together? We're independent. All independent. We're independent. Um, TipTap Insurance Group is focused on driving growth and profitability in TipTap and developing, you know, incredible technology and and HCI is focused on their other businesses. We're in separate offices. We're on separate email servers. From my phone, I couldn't dial the extension of an HCI employee. I'd have to dial the full number. I understand. So are you a tech guy yourself? Let's hear about you. Insurance. You're an insurance guy. Insurance guy. Uh, so got into the business in 2005, uh, worked for a, a regional PNC broker in the Midwest called Oswald and Companies, did that for a number of years, and then had an opportunity to move down to Florida in 2008 and joined uh, Arthur J. Gallagher as a PNC, a commercial PNC producer uh, my focus was financial institutions, primarily uh, banks and okay. insurance companies. 
focused in on management liability. And uh, I was able to pick up a, uh, a client called HCI Group <laughs> and, you know, placed all their insurance for a few years. And they were nice enough to ask me to, to join. And when I joined in uh, 2013, I came on to uh, run investor relations and then be on the, the reinsurance brokering team and uh, did that for a number of years, then also took on the role of heading up sales and marketing. And then we launched TipTap and wow. got more and more involved. And um, I was elected president of TipTap in uh, 2019. Cool. Congratulations. That's, that's awesome. And for those of you, because you don't have a video feed of our podcast, Kevin looks like he's 24. So solid, <laughs> solid black hair. Lucky, I mean, lucky I mean, guy. He looks like he just—it looks like he just graduated college. So, uh, for, for the record, forty-three. But I, I appreciate the comments. I'll take it. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah. No, uh, it, it's a pleasure. You, you have the rare opportunity of working with—I I think one of the more interesting men. I was about in, to say that. In, one of the most interesting men in insurance. In insurance, and that's no joke. Paresh Patel is the CEO of uh, of HCI Group and and TipTap um, and, and TipTap tip and also uh, the founder, I believe, yes, um, of the whole thing. He not only a tremendous visionary, but also a heck of an executor. What's it like working with Paresh? It's been an unbelievable experience on a couple levels. It's very rare to find a CEO that is so smart yet so mild mannered. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the mild mannered part, when you think about it, you're in day in and day out. Whether it's business strategy, claims meetings, um, he really takes a calm, objective approach to all situations. And what what he's developed is you have a core group of employees that love to work for him. That's great. And and what he does is he challenges everyone to think differently. And I I've I've stopped guessing, you know, what direction he's going to go on a you know a, a certain uh, business topic because you know oftentimes I'm wrong. But his I've never met somebody with the uh, the ability to really. Uh, analyze, evaluate data and make decisions. And he's always five steps ahead. You know, he has an unbelievable ability to kind of look forward into the future. So think back. I mean, if you look at the history of the company and HCI group, you know, everybody laughed at the idea of citizen stakeouts. Yes. And we are the only one who has been successful at it. Um, You know, everyone you know, gave him a hard time in regards to starting a real estate company and, you know, buying real estate in 2010. In 2000, uh, right. We, when, during the right. great, you know, financial crisis, starting a captive, you know, when, you know, money was expensive and then we had 10 years without storm, you storms in Florida. So you can see how profitable a captive, you know, would have been the, the thought process to go ahead and invest in a technology division in 2012. You know, yeah. and, and the, you know, starting tip tap, you know, it's really just been in an, an amazing run and, uh, you know, he's still at it. I think the thing that people don't understand is I've never seen someone with that type of fire 
seven days a week. If you're ever in doubt, call him on a Sunday at the office. He'll be there. Wow. Mm-hmm. And he's just, he's a very driven guy, uh, came from uh, quite humble beginnings, grew up mm-hmm. east side of London, got a full ride to, to Cambridge, and then got into the, the, the tech business after graduation. And then he was retired for a bit, um, you know, in his uh, late, late thirties, early forties. And then he's, he's come back and uh, it's been amazing what he's been able to, to create. You got to remember HCI with uh, less than 13 million of capital. Wow. It's amazing. Publicly listed on the New York stock exchange, significant uh, growth forward and, and started by, you know, we talk a lot on the podcast, particularly when it comes to insure tech, about uh, there's a lot of technology people, although it's changed a lot, there's a lot of technology people in InsureTech who aren't necessarily uh, insurance savvy. Um, Paresh came into this as a insurance newbie, right? I mean, I don't think he had an insurance background previously. And uh, lo and behold, uh, look, look where it is today. It's, a, it's an amazing story. It's a great story. And uh, I'll say the last time I saw him was at um, InsureTech Connect. And he was all fired up and telling me about what he's up to and what he's into. And um, he makes so uh, much sense. Yeah, he's he's a pleasure. He's a pleasure. And uh, please tell him we say hello. Yeah, definitely. And we thank you. What What a pleasure it is to be with you. We've heard so much about your company. And congratulations on all your success. And uh, everybody should know we're recording this on August 26th. So nothing happens between now and the end of October. So <laughs> I'm sure you'll be on vacation now. I'm going to knock on wood here. And we, we watch the weather channel every day. But, you know, listen, it, appreciate the opportunity. And, you know, for, for TipTap, we're excited. We've never been more excited and we're just getting started. Okay. Well, great. Well, thank you for being with us. And, and please come back again and, and catch us up in the future. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Great. I like to have on these companies that have been around for a while. I think that's very interesting, and um, uh, and they're they're a company that's made it through InsureTech. Pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's really neat. I I like the story. I like the vision that he talked about. How it was early in the game, and they decided they were going to do this, and, uh, and and they just went for it. And it seems like it's working. I really enjoyed visiting with Kevin. He's a he's a really smart guy and uh, seems like a very good leader. Mm-hmm. And uh, very generous and kind to be with us. And we thank him for joining us today. Thank you. Shout out to Al Moya, who is like buried in work, but makes the time to do the recording and make this happen. No shout out today for Alicia Moss, though. Well, well I mean, it's not, she didn't choose to be gone. Well, you know, she's a little under the weather, but it just goes to show you never be under the weather. Well, yeah. Come on, Alicia, do better. There you go. Feel better, Alicia. And for all you out there, have a great week. Thank you for joining us. And goodbye, everybody.